Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Or is it actually just about the teardown? I know in my, like 99% of my experience, it's about just tearing me down. Whether it's to make money, attention, deciding that they want me to have some sort of horrible fate and then they're gonna step in and get married to Alec Baldwin. And I say to these people, you know what? I will give him to you. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Hi. Hi. <laughs> We're in the last two weeks of 2021. I cannot believe that this year has gone so fast. Uh, what are we all doing? What are we all doing? I hope you guys are staying safe. And for all of you New Yorkers, I hope you guys are getting tested because it's like the fucking thriller video out here in these streets. And I'm, you know, don't touch me. Don't be around me. Y'all aren't going to catch me slipping. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) Uh, one, well, two, a couple quick things. I told you guys I was only going to do this one more time. The end of the year Um, ratings. Okay. Apple podcasts. If you can Scoop on over there, skip on over there and give me a five-star review. I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. Also, Spotify um, is currently rolling out a rating system. So if you go, if you're a Spotify listener, this might not be updated on your app yet. So check back in the next week or two and maybe find it. I believe if you just go, if you click on the podcast there should be a star system a little bit like right above where you see the episode list. If you don't see it, it's not there yet. But yeah, I would just 
you know, if you could, I would like that. It'd be a very fun time for me. So thank you in advance. And thank you to all of you who have written um, reviews over the past year. It's been, you guys are like truly incredible. I, I can't even believe, it's not even like, like all you really have to do is be like, great podcast, love her, whatever. But some of you guys write these like, incredibly thoughtful and kind reviews and I don't want you to think that I'm not reading these and appreciating the hell out of them because I absolutely am so your efforts are not going in vain um it's like a three-pronged situation I love it personally it gives me more attention and it gives me an outlet for people other people to pay attention to me so that is the greatest gift of all thank you very much anyway um Let's get into it. Let's get into it with our, well, gosh, second to last girl of 2021. I'm giving it to the Shade Room and specifically the commenters on the Shade Room. So here's the tea, you guys. Over the past few days, I would say one Nene Leaks, a former Glee star, former um, Real Housewife of Atlanta, um, just current cultural bad bitch. I mean, people are truly making livings. Here's one. Have we like, has somebody really sat down and studied like NeNe Leakes impact culturally that people need to write that down. If you're in school, I want a dissertation about this whole thing because now I'm seeing, you know, as we jump from one platform to the other, we, I'm seeing people who are making whole TikTok careers off of simply like lip syncing for their lives, iconic Nene leaks moments. And they're actually like getting their own star power off of this. And it's just incredible to see. But anyway, um, Nene for the past few days has been stepping out with a new man. Um, I'm not going to be pronouncing his name correctly, but <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. Uh, Neoni Sella. Okay. S-I-O-H is his last name. He is from North Carolina. Apparently he was set up, uh, they were set up by Peter Thomas. He is a suit man, if you will. A, uh, I guess he ha- owns like a custom suit shop in North Carolina. I, that's what I believe he does. Like couture style suits. Nice looking gentleman. Um, he's cute. He's cute. Um, they are sort of dating. They're official. They're out here. They're celebrating her birthday, celebrating his birthday in Miami, taking pictures, totally Instagram official. Of course, we all know our beloved, uh, one of our greatest uh, kiss, kiss to you, house husband of all time, Greg Leakes, passed away of cancer in September. And so when people... When the Shade Room posted that Nini had a new man, a lot of people had a lot of opinions. I feel like the Shade Room knew exactly what they were doing by posting this. I mean, of course they do. Of course they do. That would be silly of me to say. But, you know, there were a lot of commenters who were being like, this is too soon. What about Greg? He's rolling in his grave, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why... Why should she have to explain this? Because this seems pretty cl- crystal clear to me. And let the record reflect, everyone, that when other uh, dear sweet house husband Bobby 
Zarin passed away. I feel like Jill Zarin dated pretty quickly after that, and I don't recall anybody saying anything about that, or how uncouth that might be, or what Bobby might be thinking. So anyway, Nene went to the comments, and she said, I will love Greg forever and ever. Grieving is hard, even harder and depressing alone. Greg and I had a very tearful conversation before his passing. His words to me were, be happy, keep smiling, and he who finds you has found a good one. This is not something that she needed to explain to anybody. I And I feel bad that she did. I mean, I, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, maybe you should have addressed this, but not because you needed to like clean up or uh, whatever, make people feel good about it. It's just like one of those parts of celebrity where... Ugh, it's like, that sucks. You shouldn't have to do that. And you shouldn't have to tell the world um, what one of your last conversations with your late husband was in order to ease people's minds. Like, literally, double middle finger up. And if she wants to date somebody, then she can. Like, it's been a few months. It's okay. It's not like she showed up to his funeral with a, with a new dude. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I just feel like... Let everybody just, like, go for a walk, smell a flower, read a chapter out of your book. Just find something else to do. Anyway, um, Tristan. <sighs> okay, so, as we all know, Tristan, congratulations, you had a baby on December 1st, allegedly, okay? Um, there are pictures that just dropped on Sunday, if you guys want to, uh, type your fingers onto Twitter. There are pictures of this. Well, there are pictures of the top of the, this baby's head. We don't see the face, but, um, allegedly this child was born. Well, I don't think that's alleged. The child was born on December 1st. Allegedly it's Tristan's. Let's get into all the mess that's been happening in the past week. Um, because, um, that Rihanna rain just won't let up when it comes to Tristan being a fuck boy. So a couple things have been happening. Well, initially, not initially, let, let's get into it. So, Marley, Marley Nichols, this personal trainer says, I'm knocked up with a Thompson, right? So she moves to California and she files a petition for child support. Tristan tries to say, no, um, you have, you Marley have residence in Texas and you only moved to California to take advantage of me and take advantage of the child support laws there. So one thing we were going to talk about is how that his lawsuit got dropped. Um, they're now we're not playing by Texas rules in terms of child support. So whatever you thought you were doing with that didn't work. My guy did not work. They established that because Marley um, filed for uh, child support in California before he filed this like countersuit in Texas, she had already established residence. Uh, their relationship basically took place in California, if you want to say that. And then Tristan has residence there and the baby was born there. So that lawsuit of Tristan's was thrown out. Sorry, boy. Sorry. So because Tristan is trying to control the narrative legally, he's also having to mention it all and really tell the truth about what's ha what happened, what his relationship with Marley was, etc. He says they met either late November or December of 2020 and that they didn't really have a relationship that Marley claims or she's been saying that it was just a hookup, what have you. And that's exactly what it was. And that they, the only time they had sex in 2021 was on his birthday. And so if 
the baby is his, it could have only been conceived when they had sex after his birthday party. So to try to like hammer home the fact that they didn't really have a relationship, he says in a declaration that was filed on December 8th, but it just came out that they didn't communicate through like text message, email, whatever, DMs, well, the DMs, that they only communicated on Snapchat. And he had a private account, which was the username BlackJesus00. So BLKJesus00. Can you believe that? this man he also is claiming that that text message that he the text message that was going around the screenshot of him saying oh um i'm about to retire so you better take the seventy five thousand dollars because you're not going to get any child support after that because i'm going to be unemployed he's claiming that she fabricated that screenshot i don't know i don't know and then He's kind of denying that they were in a five-month relationship, even though they were, I mean, define relationship, you know? <laughs> like, clearly you guys were talking. Clearly there was some sexual flirtation. This culminated in you guys actually having sex. Is it a full-on romantic relationship? No, because apparently you were having that with Chloe at the same time. But there was some sort of relationship. There was a relationship enough for you to put it in her without a condom while you were in a whole relationship with an international celebrity, just devil may care attitude. So I don't know what he thinks he's doing with this, but the only thing to me is that he sounds stupid. Like at the end of the day, this doesn't change the fact that you cheated on your girlfriend who you were like publicly claiming to be so in love with. And we saw you in the last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like goo goo gaga over her recreating and redecorating your space. So it just like, it looked just like hers with the, you know, cookies in the jar and all the organization and all the like stupid vanilla candles that she likes. You did all of that. And you were also at the same time using (laughs) Snapchat to holler at different girls. So this also doesn't make you and like to say like, oh, well, if if this is my baby, it could have only happened nine months ago because the child was born in December and your birthday's in March. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> the only thing and the only thing, and this is like a pretty good, decent thing. I have to admit this is that Tristan has been repeatedly asking for a DNA test and this has not happened. So we're really, Romara Lee is really riding high off the strength of like the fact that this man is completely untrustworthy. And there is a slight chance that this might not be his child. Why is she not getting a DNA test? I'm not sure why she's been refusing it for the past five months. She's been, I guess he's been requesting this since July. She has yet to do it. I don't know. That's the only, you know, chink in the armor that I can think of. And honestly, it's a pretty big one. To be fair, even though Tristan has been trying to put the kibosh on either of them communicating about this to the press, Marley did come out on Friday and she released a statement and said, over the past couple of weeks, many inaccurate and false stories have circulated about me. I have not at any point released, nor have I any, nor have I ever directed anyone to release any information regarding Tristan, or any litigation involving him. I have never spoken to any media outlet, nor have I leaked any information to anyone. 
um, at any time. I'm providing the statement because I feel I must defend my character. She says that she met Tristan at a party in 2020 at his house. He denies this and said that they actually met at somebody else's house. Why this matters, I don't know. Still, all we, all roads lead to you and her vagina. So whatever. Um, she goes on to say, he told me he was single and co-parenting. I would have never gotten involved with Tristan if I thought he was in a relationship. Tristan told me he was not having a sexual relationship with anybody else. It was not casual sex, nor did we have any arrangement. Tristan and I communicated daily and talked on the phone. We would see each other several times a month. He invited me to see him Christmas, New Year's, and his birthday. And even though Tristan was saying that the only time they could have had sex was in on his birthday, March 13th, she says that they had sex both March and April, and that she learned that she was pregnant a few months after excuse me, a few few weeks after they had sex when they went on a trip to Boston. I told him news of my pregnancy in person in North Carolina. Despite the challenges that I know I would have as a single mother and Tristan's reaction to my pregnancy, I told Tristan I would be having the baby. Tristan has not helped me financially with my pregnancy or with our baby. I have paid 100% for my son's expenses. I didn't ask Tristan for any money, nor did I accept any money that was offered to me. Then she goes on and says that she just wants things to be really peaceful. And instead of focusing on any negativity, I am choosing to embrace being a mother and doing the best I can for my son. I don't want any further media attention, nor do I want a romantic relationship with Tristan. My goal is to raise our son in a safe, healthy, loving, and private environment. Oh, and and that's it. And that's that. I mean, she's... (sighs) I, I mean, it seems like a pretty reasonable thing. <laughs> it's really funny that she's like, I do not want to be in a relationship with this man. I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm a little confused as to why she would believe this man when he said that he was not in a relationship. But I definitely don't understand why she would believe him when he says that he wasn't having sex with anybody else. Like, girl. <laughs> girl. Okay. Let's just round out our Kardashian corner with a quick little story from Kim. Basically, she's saying, I don't understand why this man is continuing to act like he wants me publicly and is making all these proclamations when he's got a whole 22-year-old girlfriend at his house in Malibu. Like, I don't get it. It's weird. And Kimmy, I agree. Thank you. That's it. All right. Unfortunately, we're going to have to get pretty dark here and talk about what is going on with Chris Noth, a.k.a. Mr. Big. Yikes, you guys. A lot of allegations, a lot of things happening. Let's get into it. So, a few days ago, The Hollywood Reporter dropped a story in which two women alleged to have um, been sexually assaulted by Chris, both in 2004 and 2015, respectively. Um, Their stories are very similar. Uh, They both talk about having a love for the character of Mr. Big and how basically that drew them into Chris and it led him to take advantage of them and assault them. And I, I don't really want to get into the details, but you can read the, uh, the reporter if you want, but it's bad and it's sad. And it sounds like a story that many of us have either been in or heard before and it's terrible he has responded 
to those both to both of those allegations and he responded to the Hollywood Reporter directly and said, the accusations against me made by individuals I met years, even decades ago, are categorically false. These stories could have been for 30, from 30 years ago or 30 days ago. No always means no. That is a line I did not cross. The encounters were consensual. It's difficult not to question the timing of these stories coming out. I don't know for certain why they're surfacing now, but I do know this. I did not assault these women. Then, of course, as it's wont to do, there were many other allegations that came from people in Hollywood about him. And one of those people was Zoe Lister-Jones. I think she was on The New Girl. She's a director. And yeah, she after those allegations came out in The Hollywood Reporter, she had a lot of, th- of things to say and posted on her Instagram pretty profound stuff about this whole situation so she starts off by saying last week my friend asked me how i felt about mr big's death on and just like that sorry spoiler (laughs) well fuck him anyway and she said honestly i felt relieved he asked why and i told him it was because i couldn't separate the actor from the man and the man is a sexual predator my friend was alarmed at my word choice and to be honest so was i so she goes on to talk about how chris had owned some clubs And she worked at one of them in, like, I can't remember when she said, but she was, like, young. She was young, in her 20s, when she was working at those clubs. And she, he was consistently sexually inappropriate with a fellow female promoter. And she says, that same year, I was a guest star on Law & Order, and it was his first episode returning as a detective after Sex in the City. He was drunk on set. Um, And then she goes on to say that he would drink from a 22 ouncer of beer under the table and between the takes. And yeah, she had a lot more to say. Uh, There were several actresses who went in her comments in support of her and kind of low key saying the same. There was one actress that was like, girl, I worked at Cipriani back in the day and you're absolutely right. And then there was a fourth allegation that was posted um, on the Daily Beast on Friday. She was going by the pseudonym of Ava, and she told the outlet that she had been sexually assaulted by Chris while working at a restaurant in 2010, probably one of his restaurants, I would assume. I don't know. According to the outlet, she was 18 at the time. Chris, of course, says the story is a complete fabrication, and the alleged accounts detailed throughout Read like a piece of bad fiction. Um, And then his rep goes on to say, as Chris stated yesterday, he has and would never cross that line. Um, So one of these ladies had mentioned that Chris had told them that monogamy is bullshit, basically. Now, the interesting thing about that is that he's got a whole wife. He's been married to for quite a while and, you know, maybe he shouldn't be saying that monogamy is a sham. Now, of course, listen, that could be true. There are a lot of people in non-monogamous relationships. However, that would involve both parties being aware of that. And apparently the wife was not aware that she was in that situation. Obviously, she's really upset about all of this stuff that's coming out. She, um, you know, she's upset. And I think she believes these women. And it's really unfortunate that any of these women have to deal with this. 
he's been drafted by his agency. I mean, he's been pretty adamant about saying, I didn't do this. I would never do it. I don't know. But the streets are talking. And as somebody who lives in New York, listen, it's a lot of people who are saying a lot of things. There are a lot of girls who went to NYU who are saying that, well, because if you guys don't know, and why would you? Chris, I guess, has an apartment and has had an apartment for quite some time in Greenwich Village, which is basically where NYU's campus is for the most part. So, yeah, there were a lot of girls that, that went to NYU that were like, he's a creep. He's weird. He'll he'll come up and talk to you really close and he'll like wink, for, wink at you from, you know, from a window. And he's he's got a reputation in this town for being like a total creep on young girls consistently. A lot of them, you know, so I don't know how, you know, much like when all of these things happen, how can all of these people have these stories and them not be true? So, so there we go. I mean, it just sucks. I don't think any of the, Ooh, I'm stopping myself. I'm stopping myself and the misogyny of it all. I'm stopping. I was going to say that I don't think that any of the women of the show had said anything like, you know, has Sarah said anything? I don't know. But you know what? That's not her responsibility. Like, what do you guys think about that? When, when you're closely associated with somebody like Sarah Jessica Parker or Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis, what is the responsibility of that person to talk about this? Cause I feel like maybe we as a society, or I'm just speaking about myself. I'm just, I'll just speak about myself that I just feel like there's that instinct of being like, Oh, what do they think? Why haven't they said anything? Whatever. But actually I think that's kind of bullshit. So I'm going to correct myself. Like they're not responsible for him. This is all him. And yeah, especially women, like we don't need, you know, because when you say things, it's like the burden of responsibility is on them. And it's not like this is his behavior and they're not required to speak on it. And I don't think we should judge people for not saying anything. I don't, I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Anyway, let me switch to something a lot more frivolous and probably not even true, but I just want to talk about it because it's fun for me and I love it. Okay. There have been rumors. Well, there have been outright declarations. Well, now by the time you hear this, I'm sure you guys will know, but let's just have fun and like live in the fantasy for a moment, shall we? So there have been rumors saying that there's going to be a big announcement coming out of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and it will be... At Monday, when you hear this, when this episode drops, the rumors, the predominant rumors have been as, as such. One, Lisa Renna will be leaving. Two, our Dutch queen Yolanda will be back. Three, our British princess LVP might also be back. Now, let's just cut out the first one right out of Like, you are going to have to rip the diamond out of Lisa Rinna's gnarled fingers. She is not leaving unless there is not a contract, but we already know there is. We already know she's filming. There's not a chance in hell she's going to leave. Lisa doesn't give a shit about her reputation. She does not give a fuck that we all hate her. (laughs) She does not care. She wants that check. And can I respect that on some level? Yes. 
am I like really annoyed that I have to be subjected to her? Also, yes. Um, so I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Now, Yolanda and LVP coming back. We might be onto something here. Okay. We might, we might be cooking with gas on this one. Do I like LVP? not really starting to resent her and her role on Vanderpump Rules. But do I like the idea of Kyle Richards not feeling so secure? She's really riding high off those peacock checks. And I just think maybe she needs to be taken down a peg. Am I here for it? Absolutely. Going back to Yolanda, another great thing is because we know that Lisa Rinna is not going to leave. Who was um, one of Lisa's Lisa Rinna's like uh, biggest foes on that show? Yolanda Hadid Foster Hadid. Okay, woo! I'm here for that. Take her to task and squeeze out all the lemons. I don't know. It was a bad thing. It, that was lame, I, and I have to admit that. Uh, but I am here for it. I'm here for the mess because Yolanda never backed down. Not once. She will look you square in the eye. She will point that finger at you and she will give you what for. And I want that. Lisa needs somebody who challenges her in a real, real way. And I think Garcelle isn't willing to do that. Partially because I think she doesn't care. (laughs) I think partially it's because Lisa is a non-factor for her. But also I just think she is like pretty careful about how she comes off on the show. And I think a lot of that is because she's the only black woman on the show. And I get that. I 100% get that. Um, So I just feel like people aren't really going to take her to task. Nobody on that show is really going to take her to task unless they really turn on her. And I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I would love Yolanda to come back and shake her in her duster. Just leave a trail of her wigs all up and down Hollywood Boulevard or Kawanga or whatever the fuck. I'm here for that. I am here for that. So mm, I'm going to just send a prayer up into the night sky and hope that one comes back to me and to all of us is the return of Yolanda. I want to see what she's been up to. I want to see her navigate her daughters on the show. I want to see how she addresses them. Dua Lipa. Are we going to get an appearance from Dua Lipa? (sighs) I'm I'm shaking now. (laughs) I want to see her farm. I want to see her talk about Zane. I want the whole shebang. I want it. And I'm here for it. And if you guys don't see that vision, then, you know, we're just not on the same plane. And I hope you catch up with me. All right. What's next? Um, Hillary Baldwin's wilding the fuck out as she usually does. Uh, What did she say the other day? She posted on her Instagram story. There was an article from the mirror and she posted a picture, a screenshot of the, the headline. It says, when my husband told me to shush during labor, I knew our marriage was over. Um, then it's an article about women sharing their experience with labor. So Hillary puts the caption, Alex shushed me while I was in labor with Rafa, Raphael. He was on the phone. Shush, can you keep it down? The moment he said it, he realized he sounded like an ass and he cowered, crying, laughing emoji. Kept the marriage, went on to have 522 babies after. I permit him in after I get the epidural. I'll spare you the details on my reaction for now, but it never happened again. Purple demon emoji. (laughs) Is this like, like what? I'm forced to ask what again, like, what do you want from us? What, What did, because that's not, that's not like cute. 
she always tells these stories about Alec behaving horrifically towards her. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I think she thinks that this is like relatable, but it's actually abusive. <laughs> so I don't know. Why was he on the phone? And and why, why was he on like an important phone call? And you're telling this woman to shush? <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to do with that information, Hillary? What do you want us to do? Does she have friends? I don't, I've never seen this woman with a single friend other than Alec. And I just think like, maybe you just need to get some people around you and have them. Like, I want you to see their face when you tell them that. And then maybe it'll start clicking that something ain't right here. But then like, if it couldn't get worse after this, she posted a, a video talking about how we're all a bunch of haters who just want to um, capitalize and cash in on Alec and her relationship. And that there are people, she said this with her whole chest, her whole bird chest, that she thinks that people just want to take her out so that they can get Alec. <laughs> I can't even say it. So that they can get Alec for themselves. What? <laughs> She thinks that we want him. She thinks that there's one person on this planet that wants Alec Baldwin. She thinks that there's one person, any, a lot of people. She thinks that there are more than one person more, that are trying to take her down to get to him. Damn. No. <laughs> see, get her, get in front of some people, girl, and see how this sounds. Just say it in the mirror, maybe. Look in the mirror and just see if your face makes any sort of like, you know, natural reaction to the bile that just came out of your mouth. Nobody wants him, girl. That's not, that is not why people pay attention to you. Baby, baby. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Baby girl. You know, we read everything Enough. and they text us a lot of information. I just want you to understand. Who texts you a lot of information? Whitney was Whitney getting text messages. About, you know, your rest and um, all that stuff. I on was the not the only person. Yeah, they text you Our too. Phones didn't you? I didn't get texted. I got called by, my lawyer called me. You called your lawyer. But we're all lawyers, getting phone calls. Other I was begging her to call, call me back. I could not read enough. I was Googling. I was I did not talk about you. <laughs> All right, you guys. I had to talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. What the hell? <laughs> that was great. And I'm just going to say this, like, right out the gate. I don't care. I'm not going to take it back. I said 
what I said, this dinner was better than the dinner party from hell. I, maybe it's because I'm like years now separated from having seen that episode. Maybe it's the freshness. Maybe I'm just loving Salt Lake City more than I am most other franchises. But I feel that way and I feel very strongly. I'm not going to take it back. Let's get into the episode. Brooks, okay, he's uh, got a blazer with some tape on it that's got his name on it. Cute, baby. I think that's a weird move. Like, pick a wall boots. Are we doing joggers, jumpsuits, and now blazers? Blazers are a hard game to get into, bro. I always say that, like, suits, blazers, pants need to be tailored. And so are people who are the Brooks Marks consumer, A, going to want a blazer, B, want to tailor that blazer so it looks nice? Like, is the quality going to be good? Suit game is a whole different game from athleisure. I don't know why I'm... You know, I shouldn't know more than him about this. You're the one with the name. You Literally, your name is on it. Okay. Anyway, um, Meredith is having a ladies' night with Jenny and Lisa. And we're reminded that, oh, yeah, Jenny had a whole storyline. And it was about Dewey wanting a sister wife. Like, this is weird. Like, is this a conversation that was... I mean, I guess it had to have been after Vale, but it seems like so long ago that Jenny was talking about this. It just seems very weird that now we're two weeks after Vale, and this happened like a month before Vale, and now we're coming around again on this conversation. Nothing's happened, so I don't know why we had not one but two conversations about something that hasn't even changed. No updates, no edits. I have nothing to report. I don't know why we're talking about this, but anyway, like Dewey's not going to be sister wife. Like, come on. What are we like? There's so much else we could talk about, you know. And I'm grateful for that, but it's also like let's keep it pushing, you know, because this episode really didn't have to be an hour and a half. Like I loved it. It just would 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 any of us have missed like what's going on with Jenny? Probably not. And I like Jenny. Like I like her as a foil. And I think Jenny is a great example of. I think a lot of Bravo fans, Housewife fans, feel like. You have to have a storyline and you have to contribute to the group. And I don't think that's always true. Like, that's why people think that Cynthia is boring. Candy, my queen Candy's boring. Um, I think, you know, if you just like in the mix and you're commenting on what's going on in the way that Jenny is, I think she's actually really good about it. Um, that's all. That's all I need. Like, just bring in Carlin. She's a gem. She's a real star. Like, I mean this for real. Should they, like, reboot Zoom and have Carlin be, like, one of the main cast members? Am I on to something? She's got it, girl. Anyway. Um, yeah. They're, Jenny's also going to be having this pho dinner. She wants to introduce the ladies to her culture. And, you know, we, we got to make television here, obviously. Um... Then they do this weird, like, clueless for middle-aged women in Utah thing where they're like, Jenny, um, what about your husband? Why don't, you know, since he wants a sister wife, let's uh, put you in a blonde shake-and-go wig. A lot of bad wig stuff happening this episode. A lot of bad (laughs) wigs. We should just put that on the table right now. Um, But anyway, yeah. We have to see her get in a corset and a blonde wig? Okay. Weird. Unnecessary. Anyway, Jen is in her rented Porsche, dressed like, I don't know, like 70s porno joker. 
she's on the phone with Heather and she makes mention that she's driving herself, which is like maybe something that you should have kept to yourself because we all know the person who usually drives you, you're no longer legally allowed to speak to. So I don't know. I just feel like we're in a tenuous place. Like, you know, just maybe not bring that up. Anyway, um, she tells Heather that she's been reaching out to Lisa. She's been texting, calling with her new phone number. Like I'm texting her. So she knows that it's me. I haven't heard anything from her until the other day. Like she said, it took what four days for Lisa to get a response back. And she was like, yeah, I'll meet up with you. Like no explanation, just, straight up. So they're going to lunch. She's on her way to lunch then. And Heather's challenges Jen and is like, Hey, I think you should just be totally radically honest with her and ask her, Lisa, are you still interested in having the same relationship with me than that you did like a week ago? Like have things really changed that much for you? Jen says she'll do that. And in a confessional, Jen says she and Lisa used to speak for on average 3.2 hours a day, more than anybody else that Jen had communicated with. Did you do the calculations? Like, is that something that was in discovery? Is that something that you had to turn in, you know, from your phone records? Because we're acting like you um, have a new phone for a reason, but it's probably because the feds took it from you. Anyway, um, she, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Apparently they're very close they're sisters. Jen is relying on Lisa and she doesn't understand what's going on. And it's like, well, <laughs> I think you do, but okay. So then they meet up for lunch and Jen says this experience, you know, typical, it's really taught me who my real friends are. And in a confessional, Lisa says that she was on the fence about talking to Jen again. She spoke to her husband, John. He basically talked her into it. And then she says, you know, I took a few days, like, I don't think that makes me fake. I actually think that makes me an honest and good friend. And I kind of don't disagree. Like, you're allowed to process. You're allowed to want to know what's going on. This is big shit, you know? And it sucks for Jen. I get it. It's probably very lonely for her right now. But, (laughs) you know... This is the price of doing things like this, girl. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're just going to have to take things on that chin of yours. Okay? And that's it. Sorry. Sorry. It's not going to feel good. And I get it, girl. But that it, it is what it is. She says she wonders if Lisa's really a fair weather friend. And it's like, yeah, girl. <laughs> of course. Anyway. <laughs> Then we have this, like, gosh, Heather is really bringing it with the Mormon content. Like, every episode, she's bringing it to us every ball. She's bringing out family members and having the conversations. And I always go into this thinking that I'm not going to be that compelled by it. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, incredible. So she's there with her brother, Tyler, her older brother, Tyler. They're two of six children. And... He's visiting at her place. So she gives us the backstory. Tyler was like deep, deep, deep into like, you know, the bosom of the Mormon church. And he and his wife moved to Switzerland and took their children there. And they would, even during the pandemic, like fully dedicated to the church. They would get in their church clothes, go on a Zoom sermon for three hours 
every Sunday without fail, like deep, deep. But something took a turn. And I'm guessing that something is the show aired. <laughs> so um, I, she said that she doesn't really talk to her family about leaving the church. And he's telling her that he was so dedicated to this church until he saw, I mean, they don't really say like, it's because you were on the show and I saw that what you said about leaving the church, but obviously that's what's happening. Um, he said that he looked up, uh, Joseph Smith and I mean, this is like a grown ass man who did not know that Joseph Smith married a 14 year old. Um, I'm not saying like he's stupid. I'm just saying like, it really speaks to how indoctrinated that he would have been so devout and really have no idea of who his leader was as a person. And that's exactly what the Mormon church tells you to do or to not do. According to Heather, it's like the first rule of fight club is that you don't look up Joseph Smith and he was disgusted. He was like, they don't tell us this shit. And I just noticed a lot of hypocrisies in the church. And I was disgusted. And then he gets really deep and says that he feels like a bad parent because he feels like he put his children into a cult. And that was heavy. And Heather just like nods her head. Like she totally understands how he's feeling. And then he mentions that he wrote this letter to her. And it was all about him leaving the church and thanking her and being grateful. And she didn't write him back. He's like, I kind of expected a call from you. And she's like, you know what? I couldn't do it. And at first I was like, oh, that's kind of like, that's your brother, you know? Why wouldn't you? But then she says that his letter came on the heels of getting a letter from a sister about leaving the church. I'm assuming this is the one that we saw before. Um, earlier in the season and that a lot of people had reached out to her about like thanking her for giving them the strength and allowing them to research about the church and leave. And she was like, it was just too much because she didn't want to take that on. And she says in a confessional that it's hard to be a role model and a traitor at the same time and how she really wishes that she was ignorant, basically that she wishes that she didn't know anything about the church, that she didn't know the truth. She says, I don't think my life is any better because I left the church because now you're left with all of these demons really. And that's like deep. And I feel like people don't really talk about that. And I appreciated hearing that. I really did. I could imagine that people found what her saying about how she, you know, grieves the life that she wanted to have. I could see how that would rub people the wrong way, but I, I get it. Like, sometimes the truth is not pretty and that's real and that's real. Then we continue on with the religious theme and we see Jen and her family. It's the last day of Ramadan. And I like, I don't know why this touched me so much, but I just felt so privileged to be able to watch this family do their prayers and give us like a glimpse into their faith and how you fast for a month and it's really supposed to center and humble you. And I don't know, just something about the prayers just felt so beautiful. I don't, it just really touched me <laughs> and I, and I'm, you know, I feel great about that. It honestly, like 
it was really, really awesome to watch. Um, but then the boys sit down for dinner and Coach Shaw takes Jen downstairs and they have a conversation about Coach Shaw comes to Jen and says, hey, like, we have a behemoth of a uh, fight ahead of us. And I think that maybe we should downsize, move into a smaller home. And so we can divert some funds over to your uh, $2 million worth of legal fees and counting, sis. And Jen, you know, I, I wish I felt more sorry for Jen. It's just not working for me. I feel sorry for her family. I definitely feel sorry for her sons. Coach Shaw, I feel sorry for all of the family members that she says she brought over to Salt Lake City and promised them a better life because they're probably going to have to start all over. I feel empathy for the fact that Jen clearly feels or felt a tremendous pressure put on her by her father and her grandfather to hold the family down and keep everybody safe. I get that. And I get how things can get out of control. But I also feel like if your goal was to save these people and give them a better life, then you should have found a legal way to do that because now everybody's fucked, you know? And these things don't last forever, girl. Like, I I understand that people get a rush off of being scammers and they think that they're invincible, but you're not. And you're going to get caught. Something is going to happen at some point. And look at you now, you know, I mean, I don't know. I just, (laughs) should I be a little bit more? Um, I I just was talking about how beautiful her family was and then just socked her right in the face. But that's the truth, girl. I don't know. Jen says that she doesn't want to downsize because she feels like the family's being rocked by enough and she doesn't want to change because she feels like her house is the hub for the family members. And I, you think that it probably has a lot to do with her ego. And I get that. Like this is a very humbling moment for her, but I I think you just got to downside. Like the time to be realistic is now more than ever in your life. So I think you got to start. It's not easy, but your husband's looking you in the eye and said, you know, I think maybe you should listen to him. Um, at one point, she says in a confessional that she feels like this, she's worried that this might be her last Ramadan. And I looked up when the next Ramadan was, and it's about two weeks after her trial's supposed to start, or maybe one. Um, so I think, Jen, you might be right about that. Uh, let's move on. Um, her wig. I mean, I did enough. Should I not talk about how the wig was so overplucked in that part? I just did. Anyway, um, so then Lisa and Heather go to yoga. (sighs) Did you guys get anxiety about it like I did? I like the water. I like swimming. I like going to the beach, all of that. But this cave and the darkness, and it looked like you could not see any sort of thing at the bottom of that water. No, ma'am. No. That was tense. I have this thing where I, like, love the water, but I'm also, it's, like, one of my worst fears, like, People have that irrational death fear. My fear is that I'm going to drown. Like, and I get so much anxiety about it. (laughs) And so that was a no for me, dog. Like, you're not putting me on a paddleboard. I don't know what I'm diving into. Pass, hard pass. I had to fast forward through it. It honestly gave me a lot of anxiety. (laughs) But anyway, um, Whitney says that exercising might be 
one of the best activities that she and Lisa can do because it releases some endorphins for Lisa, makes her happy, and they don't really have to talk. So it's good. Um, I'm just going to say another thing that is probably a little bit controversial, maybe a little bit premature as well. I think that Whitney V. Lisa Barlow is going to go down in history as one of the best rivalries, frenemy ships of Housewives history. They're so funny to me. (laughs) I feel like maybe everybody should just take a breath because I look on Twitter and I feel like people have very strong feelings about them. And I think a lot of people seem to be moving into anti-Whitney territory, but I just encourage you guys to just deep breath and refocus, reset, if you will, and enjoy it. Just enjoy it for what it is. It's so funny to me. I just love that, like, clearly Lisa is producing behind the scenes. She is very clearly trying to construct. She's very, very controlling. And the fact that Whitney is unrelenting, (laughs) she stays on that girl's neck. And it's so funny to me. I don't understand why it's not funny to other people, but I'm having the time of my life. Whitney will just get in her ass and it seems like every single time Lisa is like totally surprised and like cannot believe that this is happening. And it's, it's a real delight for me. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So anyway, they sit down after their yoga and Whitney says to Lisa, I'm a little bit confused about your behavior at Vail because I feel like it was kind of like flip floppy. And Lisa tells Whitney that she did ask Mary a lot of questions And she keeps, like, doing this thing. Like, clearly she's thought about it and keeps repeating it until it sticks. She says, I had a lot of questions for Mary, and I might have some more. She keeps saying, and I might have some more, like, what what are you trying to... Anyway, um, Whitney tells Lisa that she spoke to Cameron. And you can tell that Lisa's pissed because she did not want this to happen. She's trying to make a storyline out of Cameron, but she needs to be the controller of the storyline. And you can tell she just gets this like tight lip, hard blink stare at Whitney. And she says in a confessional, like, I don't understand why she had to do that. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So Whitney says that after talking to Cameron, she feels like if, what Lisa knows are the same things that Cameron told her, then she can understand why Lisa's trying to tread lightly with Mary. And then Whitney reveals that she heard that Mary and Robert senior are creditors. And she saw that online. And Lisa is like, (gasps) (laughs) I don't know. Like maybe I'm a dumb bitch and I just don't know what a creditor means. Like, is that like, is it illegal? Is what does that mean? I don't know. Um, You don't have to tell me. I'll look it up right after this. So anyway, Whitney says she, the producer asks her, what did you find online? And Whitney says she doesn't even want to repeat it because it might put her family in danger. Oh, I'm going to Google this. Honestly, I can't find anything. I looked up creditors with their name. I don't know. If you guys saw something, I guess... Please send it my way, because now I'm curious. Um, 
So then Lisa starts dropping hints at Whitney that she should be nervous and Whitney takes the bait immediately, but this is going to come back on Lisa's ass eventually because Whitney's going to tell somebody that that's what Lisa did. And I don't understand again why Lisa keeps doing this. (laughs) And that's why that shit's funny to me. Anyway, everybody's now getting ready for Jenny's pho lunch. Meredith is like on FaceTime with Seth and she's like, well, I need my shoes at the top of the closet. And he makes her get the, uh, get a broom. Who cares? Why am I saying this? Oh, that I had a thought because I didn't care about their conversation, but I did. I do. I have been noticing that Seth has been going into like full frat bro mode this season. And it's weird. And then it led me to think, would I rather be married to Seth or Ryan, the new house husband who doesn't, you know, he's constantly got his titties out on Orange County? Who would I rather be married to? And then I was like, girl, don't be dumb. Obviously, it would be Seth. Like, first of all, he has a job. Okay. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. Like, I am, like, very misogynistic in that way. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like Christian Walker in that way. Like, men need jobs and women need to have fun. Okay. And that's just how things should be. And I'm, and I'm with him on that one. Um, so that's my truth. Sorry. Don't cancel me, please. I think men should have jobs. Okay. And it just because like, even if you have money, like trust fund men are demons, you guys, like these men, uh, you know, a devil's, uh, an idle mind is a devil's workshop. They need something to do. So they stop. Okay. That's my truth. Anyway. Seth has a job and Seth only requires that Meredith be around him 50% of the time. So honestly, like I, I've been around a lot of bros and I think I could probably handle that better than this man with a chihuahua tucked under his titty, even though I like dogs and I work with them. I'm literally three feet away from just like the most beautiful dog right now. Okay. His name's Mojo. He's sleeping. Anyway. Um, ugh. I don't like Ryan and I don't like Dr. Jen, you guys. We're not talking about Orange County. Um, so anyway, there everybody's getting ready. Mary's getting dressed up. She calls down in the tele intercom to Robert Sr. to ask him to get a Balmain jacket. And it's like, well, I feel like you're setting yourself up for disappointment with that one, Mary. Do you think that he knows what Balmain is? Do you think that he knows what a grommet is? You know, <laughs> sometimes we got to meet people where they're at. And I know that Robert does not know a thing. Okay. Anyway, she hangs up on him. Thank God. So Jenny arrives to this beautiful peace garden park to look at the setup for the luncheon. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And she says in a confessional, this event is a dual purpose. One, the ladies are going to get to know her Vietnamese culture. And two, she's going to use um, how they treat conflict resolution in Vietnam to apply it to them. So they're going to have this conversation. Everybody's going to have a kumbaya moment. We're all going to hash it out and get along. You know, famously, this is exactly what happens when everybody, when every housewife gets together for a meal in order to hash things out and be peaceful about it, it always ends up really well. And mm, couldn't, couldn't have ended up better than what happened uh, in just a few moments. So Heather, Whitney, and Jen are all getting drinks before the luncheon. What? Whitney. (laughs) I, mm, I liked what she was wearing, 
the hair. I think the hair was what was throwing me off. It was... I know, like, y'all gotta take your extensions out and let your hair breathe. I, I think that's how it works. Anyway, um, she was wearing, and she looked. Okay. So, they're talking, and now we find out that Whitney um, has kind of made up with Jen because they met at Beauty Lab a couple days ago, and she really softened to Jen, basically, she took the bait and she felt sorry for her and she sympathized with her, which I'm not going to call fake on that. Like I could see, you know, it's hard to look at somebody who's crying and talking about how, you know, you know that their life is about to be ruined. <laughs> you know this, right? And it's hard to not empathize with that. I get it. Um, so she does say, we do see in the flashback that uh, Whitney tells Jen, listen, I was judgmental of you in the beginning. I was. But, like, if your family needs anything, if your kids need anything, just reach out. Don't ask me for any money. But, like, if they need something, we'll, I'll try to figure out some legal channels for that. Um, so then Whitney says in a confessional, I feel like even in our darkest moments, we could all use some grace. And I don't disagree. So Jen says she's a little bit nervous about how the luncheon is going to go. And Heather says, listen, we're not your judge and jury. Because, because legally you can't be. But anyway, um, it's also because we love you. And I'm going to be here with you when you're acquitted. And if it goes the other way, then I'll just work with you. And, you know, I'll get through it because that's what friendship is. I hope that Heather has just a little honey fund or whatever you want to call it. Just round up at the dollar. Because you're going to be putting money on her books, girl. She's going to be asking you for honey funds. And that's harsh, but, like, that's just the truth, girl. Like, so get the funds ready now. Because it's a charge. I just watched uh, 60 Days In, season four, and you get little tablets sometimes, but that's those are, like, $20 a month. And very limited access, you know, just emails and phone calls. Maybe a game or two. So those, it, they add up, is all I'm saying. I know that in a previous episode, Coach Shaw said that he was going to stay with Jen like until the end. But do you think that's true? I don't know if I believe that. He seems like a very nice and gentle man, but I feel like he deserves to go out there and, and you know, why tether him down? Anyway. Then we go back to the park and now Meredith, Lisa and Jenny are having their, you know, cocktails, pre meal cocktails. And then we see Jen, Whitney, and Heather walking down the path towards the rest of the women. And Meredith and Lisa and Jenny are having more conversation about Dewey. And then Meredith takes her glasses off. And she looks over to where Jen's walking and she goes, Is that Jen? And Jenny's like, uh, I think so. Like, girl, you know it. it you invited her. Anyway, so Meredith says, um, I thought we all had a conversation about not inviting me to things that Jen was invited to. So Meredith says in a confessional, I'm not going to be immature, but what I am going to do is disengaged from any sort of conversation or drama. Mary's running late. So they decide to go to the lunch, sit down. And Heather realizes that Mary is going to be sitting next to her. <laughs> Jenny's like, yeah, well I did the seating chart and I'm not changing. So you'll just have to deal with it. Heather says, I'll just put on my rose-colored glasses. It's fine. So as Jenny's, you know, 
telling them about the drinks, doing a speech about the purpose of the event. We see Mary arriving late, walking down the park, mumbling to herself about how Jenny shouldn't have had uh, an insistence for them to wear formal wear if they're going to be just walking through a park. So Mary arrives and uh, what the fuck? She unleashes racism that I didn't even know existed anymore. Like she got out the vintage racism out of one of her closets. What the hell was that? She is wearing a blonde wig. And I noticed to talk about all the bad wigs that happened this episode, her wig was pushed back like three quarters of an inch too far in her forehead. And she deserved that because what the hell? What the hell? Your wig cap deserve to be shown on national television for the rest of your life for what you said to Jenny. I could not believe this. No sense of like, like I know that even your like bog standard, like classic American racist knows that it is totally racist to refer to Asian people as yellow. Like, I don't even think that people who were adamantly racist towards Asian people, most of them probably don't even say this. Like, even... What the... What the fuck? What the fuck? So Mary's in her tired pushback wig, and somebody compliments her about, oh, I like the fact that it's blonde. You and Jenny look really good in blonde. And Mary's like, why are you talking about Jenny being blonde? They're like, oh, Meredith tells her, we put her in a blonde wig the other day. And she pulls out her phone and shows her a video of Jenny in the wig. First, she says that Jenny has yellow tones. So the blonde looks good. And then she compliments her. If you want to, that's not the word. She's trying to compliment her and says that she likes Jenny's slanted eyes. I mean, I have not experienced this type of anti-Asian racism since world war two. Like what the hell? I, I, no words. I have no, I, I, I saw a preview for what's coming up. Cause I guess there's, Of course, there's not going to be an episode next week, but Jenny approaches her and I hate that she had to say something, but I'm glad that we're going to do this because Mary needs to be checked. Like, there's no way that she didn't know that that was so, so racist. (laughs) Like, there's no way. There's no way. Like, there's no possible way that Mary can be on next season, right? Like, that's, that's, we're done. Like, we're not doing that, right? Like, that's not going to happen, right? There's no way, right? It can't possibly. She can't possibly be it. I I could not believe it. Uh, So, okay. So, Mary and Heather are sitting next to each other. My head is spinning. They manage to make up pretty quickly. And Mary tells Heather that she actually quite likes her. And then the filet mignon pho comes out. Come out. Where are my words? (laughs) comes out (laughs) and everybody's being really pleasant, really fake, honestly, sugary sweet with each other. Whitney turns to Jen and says, am I tripping on shrooms? Like, why is everybody being so fake right now? Are you picking up on this? And Jen's like, yeah. So Mary overhears what Whitney says about being fake. 
And Whitney says, well, yeah, I just feel like everybody's being fake right now. And Mary says, well, is that everybody that's being fake or is it just you? <laughs> I have to admit something like I'm pulling out dumb bitch card number two again. I watch, I'm talking like two, the last, not this episode, but the week before and the week before that. I'm like watching them in Vail fighting and I'm not fully understanding why Whitney and Heather are so mad at Mary, to be honest with you. Not, I don't like, I mean like that literally, I don't understand what it is specifically that they're mad about. They seem to be mad at her for, are they mad that she's running a cult? Are they mad because of something personal? I don't get it. I don't get it. (laughs) Anyway, Whitney says that the last time they all got together, or the last time when they were in Vail, it was really uncomfortable and a lot of things went down and a lot of things were said and she just thinks it's real funny how they're all acting like none of that happened. And so Jenny says, yeah, we are all acting like that. And there were a lot of things that were said. Jen wasn't there. So Mary's like, what are we going to do? Like, just re-hurt her? Like, are we going to bring all the shit up that we, the bad things that we said about Jen and just make her feel bad? (laughs) And, you know, they're like, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. That's not our goal. And so Jen says she never expected anything like this to happen. She's never been in trouble her entire life. And she says, despite what the media said, I wasn't booked. I didn't go to jail. And Mary says, I know you didn't go to jail. And I know that because your outfit looked great. You looked great, girl, actually. You really did. (laughs) And so then (laughs) Jen says... She didn't know what the heck was going on, basically. And she was answering everything when they were questioning her. And they were talking about names, bringing up people that she had never heard of before. And so she was just saying whatever because she figured it was a mistake. And so Mary says, okay, are you completely oblivious to what they were asking you? Like, really? And Jen's like, absolutely, 100%. And Mary says, is this a true story? I'm just asking, like, did you really not have any clue about what was going on? Now, Jen says on her father, she had no clue. And she goes, do you think I would have gone to beauty lab if I had known people were coming? And Mary says, no, I I understand that part. I'm talking about after the fact. So Jen says she did not know anything. So Mary says, okay, so you're just telling me that they just randomly picked you and Stuart. (laughs) And so Jen says, well, I don't know any of the people that she that they were asking me about. Like, I had no clue. And Mary says, you had no clue? Jen says, no, I had no clue. And then we see the reactions of everybody at the table. And it is like... <laughs> stone face, try to keep it together, do not tell. It was like Stonehenge in that bitch. Like, not... Nope. Oh, nope. You're not going to let me... Not happening. (laughs) I loved it. This scene, you guys, was so satisfying. And I tweeted last night that this was what we wanted from Beverly Hills. And, like, I need to make a slight clarification because I know that Erica has not been accused of something. But you know what? On its face, they all talk shit about Jen or they talked about how they felt and how they felt like they didn't trust her. They all said that shit on camera behind her back. And I'm loving that every single one, well, <laughs> it, we're, well, it, every single one of them is saying things. Are they honest? No, but at least 
those who are not being honest are immediately being called out for their bullshit. And I appreciated it. Like, let's come to the carpet and have that conversation. I It was so gratifying. Ugh. And Jenny starts off and says, well, I just want to let you know, Jen, that we read everything and we got a lot of information and text messages. And Jen's like, well, who got text messages? Where did you guys get these text messages from? Jenny points right at Whitney. And then Lisa goes, yeah, Whitney was the one who was texting people. And Whitney says, uh, I was not the only one. We were all getting messages. So then Lisa says, well, I got a text from my lawyer. And then Whitney immediately was like, no, you called your lawyer. (laughs) Stop giving her the bait, girl. She will get your ass every time. It's funny. It's funny. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Then Heather chimes in and says, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I was looking at everything. I was looking at going through every article. I was reading every word. I went full sentence track on it. I checking the list, checking everything. Every word, girl. I did it. I did it. I, I could not get enough. <laughs> and then Jenny says, well, the bottom line is we all got news about you. And Mary says, well, Jen, I didn't say anything about you. And Heather just bursts out laughing. <laughs> So then we get a flashback to all the things that Mary said, like, what is wrong with this woman? Where is she? She said everything. I didn't trust her. She's reaping what she sowed. She scammed old people with no remorse. I was scared of her. I've always known that she was capable of doing bad things. Like, she could not have said. She ran the whole spectrum of bad things to say about anybody. Threw her clean under that bus clean no crumbs (laughs) so anyway she maintains this fact that she did not say anything bad about jen it's remarkable it's actually remarkable lisa and jenny at the same time were like jen everybody was talking about you and then everybody's just talking over each other about how you said this you said that i did this i did this text lawyer whatever (laughs) and i have to say that i I can appreciate Jen for sitting there as long as she did because my crying ass would have cried within the first 15 seconds and you would have never seen my face again. I would have been like full on Judy Winslow up the stairs like never again. (laughs) I would have left. So I can say you're a little bit of a real bitch for taking all that because that was a lot. That was a lot, girl. (laughs) 
In a confessional, Jen says, I don't know if I needed to be here. Like, did I need to be invited to the first seven courses of this lunch? Because now you guys are just fighting over who said the most worst thing about me. <laughs> like, I already feel like a piece of shit. You guys don't need to do this with me here. So Jen starts to cry at this point. <clears throat> and Mary asks her if she's upset because of what people are saying. And Jen says, no, I'm upset because my freedom's in jeopardy. In a confessional, Mary says, I hope she's innocent. Yeah, I do. But do I think she's innocent? No. Like, we're dealing with the FBI and Homeland Security and NYP. No. <laughs> no. So then Jen starts talking about how she has a team of lawyers now. She's got a $2 million retainer going. And Mary says, well, what are you afraid of? Like, that they're framing you? Like, what? <laughs> What's she's a monster but like she's asking the questions she's like really asking the questions (laughs) so lisa tries to help jen out but mary tells her no i'm talking to jen right now please stop interrupting me like i'm talking to her let me talk in a confessional she says that lisa's not aware of her behavior she's like a little tasmanian devil like (laughs) maybe because she's maybe because she eats candy and not real food and maybe her periods are bad i don't know why did all roads lead back to having some sort of period malfunction with Mary? What What is her fixation with that? It's very strange. I mean, <laughs> that's like a drop in the bucket for Mary, but it, it's something that we should bring up. So Mary and Lisa keep getting into it. And Mary tells Jen, she was talking about you. And now she's talking about me and saying that I'm going to be the next you. <laughs> and Lisa says, I didn't say that, Mary. That's a lie. So Mary then tries to ask if everybody, um, you know, like, wants to fess up that that is, in fact, what what Lisa said. But nobody wants to say anything. So she goes, well, they're all too afraid. And Whitney tries to get Lisa to stop talking so that Mary can finish her conversation with Jen. Um, I will say, like, I'm not sticking up for Mary, but I will say that oftentimes... When she starts to get upset with people, they are actually interrupting her and not letting her speak, and they're cutting her off. And I can see why that would be annoying. And but, I, you know, what Mary does with that is not—it's where I jump off the boat. You know, I'm off. <laughs> so anyway, um, at this point, Jenny calls. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Mary says that she doesn't judge, but she felt a betrayal from Jen because. Who can't believe the FBI? Like, they're not coming for you for no reason. (laughs) That that sentence would have never been said. Like, nobody on Beverly Hills would have said to Erica, they're not writing this LA Times article about you for no reason. Nobody would have said that to her. Not really. Not in a real way. Ugh. So, then they go on and Jenny calls bullshit and says, no, Mary, I sat next to you. You were talking all of this shit. And don't lie. Don't lie. So in a confessional, Jenny says that Mary needs to tell the truth because if she's a woman of God, she needs to preach honesty like she does to her congregation. Clocked. Okay. Jenny says that Mary's saying that she cares about Jenny or Jen is a load of bullshit. (laughs) And then Mary tells her to stop yelling. And Jenny says, I don't give a crap. So Mary then says, well, I don't need to be here. Jenny says, all right, well, there's the gate. (laughs) So then Meredith walks up with Mary and Meredith says that they've had, she's had enough of this. And Mary starts talking about how she's not going to be called a liar. (laughs) 
then she says that she had come to the realization that she's going to be friends with Jen and see her through this and pray about it. And she hopes that everything turns out okay. Okay. So then back at the table, Lisa says that the whole situation with Jen getting arrested was traumatic and it gave, and that she probably still has PTSD from it. And Jen looks over at her and says, how do you think I feel? (laughs) She said that with like totally serious. (laughs) You're sitting 18 inches from the woman who actually got caught up by the feds and you have PTSD. (laughs) At this point, Jen is like, I need to get away from you guys. So she gets up from the table to calm down and Mary and Meredith are still in the park. So Mary goes back to Jen and they decide to go on a walk to have a conversation. So Mary tells you, tells Jen, I don't have to lie to you, and you know that. So then they go and sit down on a bench, and Mary says, I, Jen, I pray to God that you're guilty. In- innocent. I, mean, I pray to God that you're innocent. <laughs> and Jen says, well, I am innocent. And Mary says, okay, whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so then Meredith goes back to the table, and she basically calls everybody out and says that she was the only person who was sitting at that table quietly, and is basically like, I'm the only person who doesn't fuck with Jen and I was being nice to her. So if you guys are actually her friends, then you should act like this. Like, what are you guys doing? She says that it's really not cool that people were ripping Jen behind her back and being friends to her face. But I don't, if that's the case, then why were you walking out with Mary? Because Mary did the exact same thing probably more than anybody else. So why were you trying to leave with her in solidarity? I don't understand what Mary Meredith is doing with Mary. It's confusing. To, well, it's not that confusing to me. I really think that because we learned in the like first two episodes that Mary and Brooks have a relationship and that Mary was like kind of there and supportive for Brooks through his time of being called a twink, I think she holds a lot of, like, warmth for Mary. I think that's really all that this is about. And so I get that. If you feel like she was there for my kid. But I I don't... How can you say that everybody's being fake when Mary was being just as fake as everybody else? It doesn't make sense to me. So now at this point, Lisa is upset with Meredith because she feels like she's not standing in her corner. She's not helping Lisa. She feels like they've been friends for 10 years. But for some reason, there's a pattern of when it comes to Mary, Meredith gets really defensive of Mary. But when it comes to Lisa, she's got to fend for herself. Meredith says she's got to go because Lisa keeps talking about her trauma When in fact her family and Jen has been traumatizing her family for two years. So then (laughs) Meredith gets up. She's like, you know, Jenny, thank you for inviting me. But I told you not to do this. (laughs) So Then Lisa tries to get up to talk to Meredith. And Meredith says, you know, you've been screaming at me for a half an hour. Like I can't do it anymore. And Heather just starts bursting out laughing. (laughs) And in a confessional, Heather says, ladies, we're at the International Peace Garden. Like, how many crying storm-offs do we have to have before we realize we're missing the entire point? Like, I feel like I'm the only one who got the memo. <laughs> so, Lisa and Meredith have their conversation, and she tells uh, Meredith, like, if you're going to tell me to stop doing things, you need to do the same thing for Mary. And Meredith says that, this is just negative, toxic energy. She doesn't want it in her life right now. And Lisa's like, well, I, can you please stay for me? 
save for me. Can you save for me? Can, I need you to save for me. Like over and over, over and over. She's like falling into her arms, right into her um, scarf, crying. Oh, God bless. So then Mary tells Jen, listen, you got to buckle up. You got a long road ahead of you in order to prove your innocence. They decide to go back to the table. So now everybody's back at the table. And Heather says that she's sorry because she's sorry to Jen because everybody made Jen stuff about themselves. And Jen says, I just want to let you guys know on my kids, on my husband, on my dad, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything, any of the things that have been alleged against me. And I understand that everybody needs to process things on your own, and that's okay. I get it. Heather says, the world may seem like they're against you, but they're not. And then Mary mumbles under her breath, well, I wouldn't say that, Heather. <laughs> um, there were a couple other things that happened, but they weren't important. This was a great, great episode. Uh, I love these ladies. I love them. I, I'm, I'm so happy. Can I just briefly talk about Portia? What the fuck was she thinking? I keep watching Portia's Family Matters. I'm not enjoying it. I think it's just something to watch. I don't know why she was thinking. The real timeline that we need to discover is when Portia decided to sign on for this show. Because she's an executive producer. So it tells me that she at least probably has some idea of what uh, was going to be shown on this show. And I have so many questions because it seems like Portia is surrounded by or employing or is related to a bunch of people who don't like her. And they have no problem admitting that on TV. And also, if they don't like Portia... They don't like each other either. I don't understand how you would have your family out here looking crazy because they're and you, Portia, are looking crazy. And we should not be living in a world in which Dennis, serial cheater and hot dog aficionado, looks better and more sane than anybody else. I I don't know what I'm watching, but it feels like it should be taken off air. It's weird do not recommend it's not good it's not good Portia does not come off as a likable person her she has these deep rooted issues with her sister and the relationship dynamic that they had when uh, Lauren was working for her Lauren is very clearly still feeling some type of way about that but Portia clearly doesn't want to discuss this discuss this either on TV or in real life. So I don't think they even really like each other. It kind of seems like they keep it cute as long as they don't talk about the work stuff. But I just saw a different side to Portia. Ah, it's not good. I don't know what she was thinking. This was not a good idea. (laughs) Not a good idea. All right, you guys. As you can hear in my voice, I need to stop talking. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. (laughs) 